I want to talk to you today about peace on earth. What a good time to talk about it. Before I go into the word, I want to ask you a question. And I want you to really, really look deep into your heart when I ask this question. Are you at peace? Are you at peace? You can say, yes, I'm at peace with some certain aspect of my life. But the question is, are you at peace with everything in your life? The other question is, can you reach that point? Can you reach a point where you're at peace? Because with peace comes what? Rest. So I can change the word as well. I can say, are you at rest? Do you go to bed at night? Are you at rest or is, is your head still running? Are you waking up the next morning tired of struggling and wrestling through the night with concepts, with things that you're going through? If we look at the world today, we see that we're living in a world that's not at peace, is it? Everywhere there's people going at it. Everybody is seeking for this peace. And it's evading so many people. It tires people down. It makes people sick, even to the point of death. Searching peace. Running after peace. I want to talk to you about that for the last sermon for this church in 2019. Because in my heart, brother and sister, I want you to have peace. So let's continue in here. Peace, I looked into a dictionary. Peace is an impression of a social friendship and harmony in the absence of hostility and violence. That is what the definition is. If you open up a dictionary, there's so many different definitions, but I chose this one for a reason. It's an impression piece for some people. When they went to the dictionary and they want to put something against it to defy the word, they came up with an impression of social friendship and a harmony of the absence of hostility. And it's true. It's true. If you go to certain countries this morning and you talk about peace, they will say it's because there's no hostility in that country. It's safe to travel there because the country is at peace. Hong Kong is not at peace, is it? Over the last few months and so on, what's happening in Hong Kong? Do you feel safe to go there? No, a lot of people don't feel safe to go there. Why? Because there's no peace. And so I can mention a lot of names of countries this morning where people don't want to go. Even, even Paris. I said it in Afrikaans there. I wanted to say Paris. Okay, so even Paris in certain times is not at peace and people don't want to go there. So it's the absence of hostility and violence. But you see, we come across peace in different ways, each one of us. Peace means to different people different things. And that's why I ask you the question this morning. Because if I get you to stand up this morning and say, what is peace to you in your life? And I get somebody else to stand up and say, what is peace to you? You would find it's two different things. It's different things to different people. But we want to bring it all together. Let me give you an example. I read in an article in a newspaper about a medical doctor in Central Africa. When he was young, his parents moved into Paris and he started there to become a doctor. And he was a very good doctor as well. But then he decided, 
that he was going to go back to Central Africa, to his home country. And this is the words that he's actually putting in the newspaper. They've phrased it from. He said he decided to leave the peace and security of his life in France in order to bring much-needed medical care to the people of his homeland. To this man, peace was a physical location. While he was in Paris, what did he have? He had peace because it was a, a, a safe country. It's peaceful there. And also, he had a good economic position. For a lot of people in this place this morning, economy, uh, good money and good finances is, is a place of peace. For this man it was. Then he gave it all up to go back to this place. And you know, this, this physical location for this man and this economic position for him brought him happiness and security. But who knows that that can disappear just like that. Just like that these things can disappear. It's tangible things. So for this man, that is what it was. For a refugee, when they asked him, he said, we are looking for a place we can call home and settle in. And we see so many refugees over the world right now. Displaced people in refugee camps and all of those things. If you speak to these people, they'll say, for us, we want a place that we can call home. Look, let me just say it off the cuff here. For many of them, I'll say, go back to your country, but we won't go there. But for them, for a lot of people, they want to say, we want to call a home and we want to settle. Peace for these people is a physical location, and it is a place where they can get into a similar economic position, and that will give them happiness and security. You say, why did I put those two up there against each other? Because for this man, he's leaving his peace in France to go to a place which is not so peaceful and these people are moving from a place that's not so peaceful and they're looking for a land that is peaceful it is location different things for different people what is peace to you this morning as I'm unpacking this I hope the Holy Spirit works with your heart you see peace is an impression of the social friendship and this absence of hostility and violence for a teacher and I've heard it so many times because I used to be a teacher back in my day. For a teacher, if you ask him, what is peace for you coming up to Christmas and to this break, they say, I can't wait for the holidays. Isn't that right, Matthew? Can't wait for the holidays. Why? Because I will have peace and silence. <laughs> Some mums and dads will say that. Oh, if the kids can just go over to grandma and granddad, I'll have what? I'll have peace. Don't we hear that? Often we hear that, peace and silence. Silence is golden. You see, for some people, that peace at that point in time is the absence of people. That is what it is for a teacher. And for a student, for instance, if you study at a university, I've heard it so many times because I used to be a student. They say, my heart is at peace now that my assignment is completed. Have you ever had an assignment that you had to do? And before it's completed and you had a, a cut-off date, you have to go and you have to give it in by Friday. What happens? You're running all over the place. You're not at peace. You want to get this and you run all over the place. But the moment you hand it in, what happens? Oh, I'm at peace. You see, for some people, peace is completing a task. The question this morning is again, what is peace to you this morning? Can you answer that question? What is it going to be that one thing that brings you into a state of peace? And I can see so many times. You see, I love 
I love to go around in crowds and sit down and look at people. You go, oh, he's weird. He's a weird dude, man. He sits and he likes to look at people. What's going on with him? But I like to look at people and I like to look in the eyes because the eyes is the windows of what? Of the heart. It generally tells you what's going on in people's hearts. They walk up to you and they've got the brightest smile. Oh, it's nice. It's going well. But if you look them in the eyes and the eyes are dull, it says that it's not matching up. You see, this is what's going on in the world today. There's a lot of people walking around and they're not at peace. And this is the massive thing. This is what people run after and chase after is to have peace. If you ask certain people this morning, they say, oh, if I can just land my first million dollars, I will be at peace. The question then is, the rich and the famous, why are they so unhappy? You read it all over if you, if you read into those things. Why is there so much suicides under, under the rich and famous? You see, because they couldn't find their peace in finances, in money, in social, uh, social things, in buildings, in property. They couldn't find it there. What is it for you this morning? I'm not going to talk long to you. I just thought this morning I want you to walk away this year and think about this really, really intensively. Ask yourself. What is peace for me? What is peace for you today? I want to say to you this morning that peace to the child of God is a person. Peace to the child of God. If you call yourself a child of God this morning, if you call yourself a Christian this morning, I want to say to you the answer, if you ask me what is peace to you, preacher, I would say to you, peace for me is a person. Who's that person? It's Jesus Christ. He is peace to all of us. Now, I want to give you a few scripture verses here. First of all, this is the scripture verse which so many people know because it's in every Christmas card this time of the year, isn't it? For a son is born unto us. It says it there in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. But you know what? This morning when we prayed out there and... Uh, Matthew and I was walking out. It just dawned upon me. I want to show this to you. It's not on the board, so if you have your Bible here, you have to follow in your Bible. If you don't have it, just believe me, it's there. Okay, go and test me this afternoon. In Isaiah chapter 9, I want to start reading to you from verse 1. There's a reason for that. And I just believe the Holy Spirit wanted me to tell you this this morning. If you open up in your Bible in Isaiah chapter 9, you will find the very first word of the very first verse is the word nevertheless. Nevertheless. And I love it. Why does he start with the word nevertheless? Because before the word nevertheless, there's a raft of things that he told the people. And if you start reading from Isaiah chapter 1 up to chapter 9, you will see a lot of those things is gloomy things. It's not so good things. And it is applicable to our day. I reckon if you start reading from chapter 1 to chapter 9, you will see a lot of the things that are happening in the world right now happened back then as well. And he talks to them. And he warns them. And he tells them that you're going to go in captivity. He, all of these prophecies comes over. And then... After people sit there and all this bad news has been given to them and all of this correction has been given to them, what happens? He uses the word nevertheless. 
Now I want to ask now, what is after nevertheless? If before nevertheless was so gloom, was so bad, what is after the word then? Let me read it to you. He says in verse 1, Nevertheless, the gloom will not be upon her who is distressed, as when at first he lightly esteemed. The land of Zebulun, make a mental note of this, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, and afterward more heavily oppressed her by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan in Galilee of the Gentiles. I want you to make a little bit of a mental note. He gave physical locations back in Isaiah. Okay? And he gave these names. And he talks about Galilee. He talks about the Sea of Galilee. What did he say? He says there in verse 2, The people who walked in darkness. If you walk in darkness, do you have peace? Do you have rest? If you're in darkness, what are you seeking? You're seeking the light. You're looking for something. You're looking for the promise. And here he says there's people in this area, back in Isaiah. He says these people... They were walking in darkness, but then he says, have seen a great light. Who, those who dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. This is in Isaiah chapter 9. You see, so you, we, we just look at the Christmas cards. A son has been born unto us. But this is before that verse comes up. This is how powerful that verse becomes. Because that gives the, 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 the description of this light that has come. And he says it here, they have seen a great light. Those who dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them the light has shined. Let me just say to you that you and I were also living in the land of a shadow of death. All of us were born into a land of a shadow of death. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 says that we were dead, dead in our trespasses and sins. What, if something, if it's dead, has it got any use? It's got no use. He says, you were dead, but he made you alive. Isn't it right? And here he goes on and he says it there. You have multiplied the nations and increased its joy. They rejoice before you according to the joy of the harvest as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For you have broken the yoke of its burden and the staff of its shoulder, the rod of the oppressor. And then in verse 6 he says, For unto us a child is born. There's our verse on the board now. He says, Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. And you get this. Prince of Peace. He's the Prince of Peace. This is why I say, Peace for the child of God is a person. It's a person. It's not a, a mental state. It's not your finances. It's not your sitting in, in society. It's not your friends. It's not your net worth. It's nothing of that. Peace. Peace is a person. He's the prince of peace, the Bible says there. And listen now. He says, <clears throat> Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end upon the throne of David and over the kingdom, to order it and establish with judgment and justice from that time onwards, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. 
Now, if you've got your Bible, I want to give you the fulfillment of this prophecy. If you flick over to Matthew or to uh, John chapter 4. John chapter 4. Remember what it said in Isaiah. In Isaiah it said that the people in Zebulun and Naphtali, they were oppressed. The people by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan in Galilee of the Gentiles, they were the people who walked in darkness, but they've seen a great light. I want to show you in the New Testament how this great light came into that place physically. Physically. Who believes the Word of God? Who believes in the Bible? This is a proof. He prophesied it back in Isaiah. And then Jesus, not by just chance. You see, some people think that the Bible is written by chance. Oh, Jesus was there by chance, by luck. No. Everything in the Word of God is meticulously playing out. God is meticulous in what He does. And let me just say it in your own life is meticulous. If you call yourself a child of God, everything that happens to you, He knows about it. Who believes that? And we get so worked up about your own lives, don't we? So worked up. Is this going to happen, Lord? Is it not going to happen? Is it going to happen? Do I have to do this? Do this, do that, do this. Give it over to the Lord because you're in His care. And if He allows it, it will happen. Now look at this. Uh, John chapter 4. He says, therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees heard that Jesus made baptize more disciples than John, in verse 2, though Jesus himself did not, he left, in verse 3, Judea and departed again to Galilee. There's our place, Galilee. He departed again to Galilee, to the Sea of Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. So he needed to go through Samaria. Remember, back in Isaiah, he said, Nephilim, Naphtali, and Galilee, those people were in darkness. And let me say this, when the Jews walked, they didn't like the Sumerians. The Sumerians was people beneath their class. They wouldn't have gone through Samaria. They would walk around Samaria. But what did Jesus do? He walked through Samaria. And here we find it now. Look at this. How wonderful and powerful is the Word of God. So he came to the city of Samaria, which is called Sigar, near the plot of the ground Jacob gave to Joseph. And he was there, Jesus therefore being wearied from his journey, sat by the well, and about the sixth hour, and a woman came to him to drink, and he says, give me water to drink. And you know what happened there? The light came into darkness. What we saw in Isaiah chapter 9, Jesus walking to Samaria, it is the exact place that was described in Isaiah chapter 9. So when he says, a son was born unto us, it is so powerful. My friend, let me tell you, you yourself was Samaria until he came and walked into your life. How wonderful is that? And that gives us peace. You see, if we look at Prince of Peace, the Messiah is the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. He's the one who makes peace between God and man. He makes peace between God and man. He stopped the war against ourselves. I meet so many people, I work in a secular world, and I meet so many people who is at war with themselves. 
I mean, in the morning when they wake up and they stand in front of the mirror and they look at the face staring back to them, they don't like that face. They don't like what they see. And they can see all of the things which is not. Why? Because we generally compare ourselves to other people, don't we? We see other people and we say, Lord, why are they so well off and we not? Lord, why are they so thin and I'm not? <laughs> Black forest cake. There is some outside, brother. <laughs> That's why I'm preaching in a hurry. <laughs> but this is true. I speak to people and they look, they don't, they don't like what they see. They're at war with themselves. They always want more or they want to change something about themselves. Why? Just to look to, like the person next to them. And once they change and become to look like that person, they see another person and what happens? Again, the war starts inside. Jesus came to, to make, give you rest in that. To make peace against yourself and reconcile us to the Jews. You say, but were we at war with God? Of course we were. James 4 verse 4, he says this. He said, adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enemy with enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. It's amazing how the church wants to be a friend of the world these days, isn't it? Seek the favor of the world. Don't want to say things that upset the world. Let it be known that in this church we will say what it is, isn't it? We are enemies of God. Philippians 3.18, he says, For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. In Job, chapter 13, verse 1, Job cries out, he says, Behold, mine eyes have seen all this, my ear has heard all of this and understood. And he himself says, you know, that I'm an enemy of God. God is at, uh, there's a war between us and God. If we walk in sin, then that's what's going on. And we were born in this sin. And then peace came to the earth. Peace came to the earth. Luke chapter 2 verse 8. Now there were in the same country these shepherds out in the fields, keeping watch over the flock. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood with them, and a glory shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all the people. To whom? To all the people. For there is born to you this day in the city of the Savior David, David the Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in the manger. And suddenly there was an angel in the multitudes of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, good will toward men. Who brought the peace? Jesus. Peace is a person. If you want peace, make peace with the peacemaker. His name is Jesus Christ. This season that we're going in, before you go into 2020, make sure that you're at peace with Christ because He is the peace giver. In Romans chapter 5 verse 10, He says, For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled with God through the death of His Son, He came, He gave His life and He died for us so that we can be 
at friends with God, at peace with God, reconciled with God. Having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. In John chapter 14, and I love this, I love John chapter 14, 15, and 16. And you should read it so often. Because that is the final words of Christ before He went to the cross. Those chapters. He says in John 14 verse 27, He says, Peace I leave you. Why would He say that? Because by now Jesus is turning to His disciples and He said to them that He's going to die. He's going to go to the cross. And what do you think? These people have left everything in their lives. They followed Christ. And now He's going to tell them He's going to die. They've left their businesses. And, and they think He's going to leave us hanging dry here. Where are we going to go? He gave us peace. When He was here, it was so easy. We could walk up to Him and say, Jesus, what about this? We can go over to Him and put our arms around His shoulders and tell Him, Jesus, we love You. And you know what He did? He was there. He could speak to them. He gives them words of life. This is what Peter said. Peter came to me and says, Lord, where shall we go? You've got what? The words of life. So Jesus was there, but now He's telling them, I'm going to go away. I'm going to die. So what did He say? One day He was walking, and His disciples was with Him, and He turned to them and He says, I'm praying the Father, and He will send you another comforter. The word there is parakletos, the Greek word. And I've explained it to you before, but I'll do it again. It's made out of two words, para and kletos. Para means to come alongside you. And the kletos is to strengthen you. He says to his disciples, he says, I'm going to go to the Father, but the Helper will come alongside you and it will strengthen you. If you think about parachute, that we all use in your English language. What is it? Para means is to come alongside you and the chute opens up and he stops gravity to pull you down and to die from the fall. You float down to the earth. Paramedic. We use paramedic. What does it mean? It is somebody who comes alongside and he gives you medical attention to heal you. Paracletos, the Holy Spirit, he comes alongside you to give you strength for your day and strength and power and he gives you peace. And here Jesus says to him, he says, John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Let me tell you, fear destroy faith. Fear gives you anxiousness. The opposite of that is peace. John 16, 33, these things I've spoken to you that in me you may have what? Peace. In the world you will have tribulation. Who knows that? Who knows the world gives it to us? But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. And then also Romans chapter 5 verse 1, therefore having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of glory. Peace I've given to you. Peace not as of the world. That's what I want to leave you with. If you think about this, peace has come to the world. Everybody's celebrating Christmas these days. It's all about Jesus Christ who came into the world. What does it mean to me? What does it mean to you? He's not a baby anymore. He grew up. He became a young man. 
When he was in his 30s, he took on the ministry. The Holy Spirit came upon him. He made disciples. He taught those disciples. They preached to us through the Word today. And then one day he went away. He, was, he died. He was crucified. He went to the grave. He was risen. And then he went away. And what, what happened? The Holy Spirit came. So these words of Christ in your ears, peace I leave with you. Not peace that the world can give you, but His peace He gives to us. So I ask you again this morning, do you, are you at peace? What is going to bring peace in your life? The answer is Jesus Christ. Peace is a person. It's not an emotion. It is not a standing. You know, you walk around today, you say, you look, I'm at peace because I'm healthy. I just got my checkup from the doctor yesterday, and he guess it's the old fear. I can do whatever I want to do again. But you've got to go for another checkup in six months or in a year. And who knows that a lot of things can change in a year. And then what happens? Right after you walk out, somebody walks past and they say, hey, you've got a little bit of a bloody eye there. What's going on? Oh, the doctor just gave me the clearance yesterday, but what's going on now? You see, we shouldn't look for peace in tangible things. It is a person, but it's Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Will, will you be at peace this season? Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning for your word, Father. I thank you for Jesus Christ who is our Savior, who is our peace.